Welcome to the Raising Kids Together podcast. Raising Kids Together is a place where moms of all ages and stages come together from all over the world to walk this journey of mothering with one another. This podcast is just a small glimpse into the things that we are talking about in our daily Zoom meetings. I am your host, Tina Smith, and each week you can listen in as I and others share God's word and grow in our spiritual parenting. I am praying that you are blessed as you listen in. All right, let me pray for us. Father, I thank you so much just for who you are. You are seated on the throne in heaven and nothing, nothing can knock you off that throne. And so, Father, today we come before you to praise your holy name. We lift you high, God. We exalt you. We worship you because you are God and you are God alone. And so, Father, as we study the book of Revelation, I just ask you, Lord, please, please teach us, protect us, prepare us, Father. No good soldier goes into battle without the proper protection, without the proper preparation. And, Father, that's what we're doing here. We are preparing for battle. And so, Lord, help us to be good soldiers. Help us to follow our commander and be obedient. Lord, I just pray that you would teach through me. Hide me behind the cross, Father, because I I am so sinful in so many ways. And so, Lord, I pray that none of my words come through, but that your words speak into the hearts of these ladies. Thank you for this blessing and this opportunity to study the book of Revelation with this precious, precious group. Teach us now, Father, and give us ears to hear. And it's in your name we ask. Amen. All right. So last week we looked at um, the first four seals in the book of Revelation. And um, we looked at when Jesus began opening these seals, Uh, what many people refer to as the four horsemen of the apocalypse, seals one, two, three, and four. And I want to recap just very briefly what we saw that is going to, or perhaps may have already happened, some of it, we had that discussion, um, as each of those seals are opened. And your handout, for those that came in late, um, your handout looks like this for the seals, and you can, you can write this way. I'm writing this way because we're going to use this as a timeline. We're coming back and we're going to fill in some things later on. So if you don't have the handout, I did put it in the chat um, and I can put it in there again if I need to. So seal number one, when Jesus cracks seal number one, we see a rider on a white horse that sent out to conquer. And we talked about who this rider is. Uh, Some people believe it's Christ. Some people believe it is the Antichrist. And I fall out on the side of believing it's probably Antichrist. And we talked about the reasons why I believe that. 
Um, seal number two, there's a rider on a red horse sent out to take peace from the earth through people killing one another. Seal number three is, shows a rider on a black horse sent out to create famine and need. And we are not talking about just, oh, I'm hungry and I don't have money to go out to a nice restaurant. I'm talking about sheer poverty and sheer famine. Then seal number four was a rider on a pale horse and his sidekicks were death and hell. And these three cause death, hunger, and a quarter of the population of the earth to die. Now, is seal four, we didn't talk about this, but I wanted to just throw it out there for you, you to consider. Is seal number four possibly a combination of seals two and three? Maybe. It's something to think about. So the events of the first four seals, if you look back in Revelation chapter six, they all take place on earth. What happens, happens on earth. Today, we're going to shift our focus as we see Jesus open that fifth seal. So let's look at Revelation chapter six, and I'm going to read verses nine through 11. And I'm reading from the New King James Version. Revelation chapter six, and we'll start in verse nine. When he, Jesus, opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar, we're coming back to that, the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice saying, how long, O Lord, holy and true until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on earth. Then a white robe was given to each of them, and it was said to them that they should rest a little while longer until both the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who would be killed as they were, was completed. Very interesting passage of scripture here. So what are these events that are taking place? I mean, I'm sorry, where are these events taking place? They're taking place in heaven. So the first four seals set off events on earth. Seal number five triggers some events in heaven. And John sees the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for their testimony under the altar. So I said we were coming back to altar. A good question to ask here is which altar? Which altar are they under? So I want to, I want you to head over to Exodus chapter 25 and let's do a quick review of the Old Testament tabernacle. Now, God, uh, we pick up at a place where God has brought through Moses, the Israelites out of Egypt and they're in the desert. Um, Moses has been up on Mount Sinai with God for 40 days, and God has made a covenant with Moses and with the Israelites, and the Ten Commandments come out of that covenant. So in Exodus chapter 25 and verse 1, God instructs Moses to tell the Israelites to bring an offering to him. Let's read that. Um, Exodus 25, 1, then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the children of Israel that they bring me an offering from everyone who gives it willingly with his heart, you shall take my offering. 
And this is the offering which you shall take from them, gold, silver, and bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet thread, fine linen, and goat's hair, ram skins dyed red, badger skins, and acacia wood, oil for the light and spices for the anointing oil and for the sweet incense, onyx stones and stones to be set in the ephod and in the breastplate. And, and here verse eight is what I want us to think about. And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them according to all that I show you, that is the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all its furnishings, just so you shall make it. All right. So, God has told Moses to have the Israelites bring offerings. Now, he didn't say just bring any old offering. He was very, very specific about what they were to bring. And then he also told Moses what he was wanted Moses to do with what was brought. Now, I would love to teach you about the Old Testament tabernacle. It's one of the most fascinating studies I've ever done and and how it points directly forward to Christ but that is probably a study almost as long as revelation but I want to show you I want to share my screen and oh can you Tina can you let me share screen um, I want to share my screen and I want to give you just a brief overview of what the Old Testament tabernacle looked like as we're thinking about altar. So here we go. Let's see how Leah can make this work. Um, 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 two. Where did it go? Okay. Um, okay. So here we are. Can you see that? Can you see the layout of the Old Testament tabernacle? Okay, so what we have here is the, the tabernacle compound, and this is exactly the, the way the Lord told Moses to lay out the Old Testament tabernacle. This would have been the entrance facing east. The tribe of Judah would have camped here, right in front of the entrance. Do you remember which tribe our Lord came from? the tribe of Judah, the lion of the tribe of Judah. So the entrance to the tabernacle was here. And the first thing that you come to is the altar of burnt offering. Now, somebody spelled altar wrong. I don't remember where I got this, but anyway, I'm a, ner I'm a word nerd. So that gets me. Um, but this would have been the altar of the burnt offering. So people brought their sacrifices to cover their sin to the priests. They came to this altar. The priests kept fire burning under the altar. The sacrifice was tied hand and feet to the altar. The person bringing the sacrifice for the covering of their sin was required to slit the throat of the the animal and the animal died on that altar okay so after the after the burnt altar of burnt offering then was the laver which the was held water where the priest washed himself before he went into the tabernacle the the actual tabernacle itself inside the first area the holy place we find the table of showbread a lampstand, and the altar of incense. If you went on through the curtain, 
And only once a year did one priest go through this curtain and into the Holy of Holies. This is where the Ark of the Covenant was, where God's presence dwelt among the Israelites. And so this altar of incense sat right in front of this curtain. And the priest twice a day, every day would offer offerings of incense on this altar. And it went up as a holy, um, as a holy smell before God. And it symbolized the prayers of the people. All right. So altar of burnt offering, altar of incense. Let me stop sharing and go back so I can see your, um, your beautiful faces. So the question now becomes, if we go back to Revelation chapter six, which altar is being referred to here in um, verses nine, in verse nine. So it's, if you, if you look over um, and, and go back, you'll remember in Revelation 5, 8, we talked about what incense represents and the importance of incense. So an argument can be made for, for this altar that um, is referenced in verse nine being the golden altar or the altar of incense. Those two descriptions are used interchangeably. However, if we look at Revelation 6, 9, very carefully, where it says, when he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar, the souls of those who, what? Had been slain. Why? Because of the word of God and their testimony. These martyrs had sacrificed their lives for the kingdom of God and the testimony of Christ. And I believe that the altar being referenced in verse nine is the altar of sacrifice. Um, it just seems to make sense. Did God specifically tell me that? Did he whisper in my ear? No, it just seems to make sense um, that it is. Now, these martyrs are crying out for God to avenge their deaths because they know that God is just. And I, I have to stop and, and just kind of emphasize that while they are crying out for justice. And in this country yesterday, we saw the results of crying out for justice. And whether you believe that verdict yesterday was right or wrong, I want to compare that with what these martyrs are crying out for. They are not crying out for a man to avenge what happened to them. They are crying out for the holy and true God to avenge what happened to them. They have an awareness of injustice, but it's in its proper perspective. It's against the holiness of God. It's the, the injustice that was done to them is uh, uses the holiness of God and his sovereignty for bringing justice to make the picture a very balanced one. 
So God tells these martyrs, wait, or someone tells them. We're not told specifically that it was God that told them. Wait, be patient, rest. We don't like to hear that, do we? We want now. We want it to happen now. God says, wait, rest in my time. How long should they wait? Until a predetermined number of martyrs has been reached. Now that kind of stings, doesn't it? Because what that tells us is there are a certain number of people that God is going to allow to die for the word of God and for the testimony of the faith. And then when that number has been reached, God is going to... God is going to say, done, done. And I think I've mentioned this before, but Randy Alcorn has a marvelous book called Safely Home. It's a fiction. It's a work of fiction, but it is the story of the last martyr. Absolutely fascinating. And I want to read you just a a very, maybe three paragraphs from the epilogue, the last thing in the book, the, this, this last martyr, um, his name is Li Quan. He's Chinese and he has died. That ended the book. So here is the epilogue. And I don't know if I can do this without crying. So grab your tissue. How long, O Lord, the voices of millions cried out. Because of the oppression of the weak and the groaning of the needy, I will now arise, said the king. I will rescue them. The king stood in front of his throne. His eyes and all those across the heavens were now fixed on a young locksmith from Pushan who languished in prison, dying of tuberculosis, coughing up blood. As Li Shen's life faded, the king gripped the hilt of the sword, then unsheathed it. He lifted it up, stretching out his arm. He whistled to a white stallion, a creature unlike any other. It flew to him, dancing and snorting, rising up on its back legs, eager to run to battle. The king, shining with the brilliance of a thousand quasars, mounted his great steed. All heaven watched the young man breathe his last at the feet of his tormentors. At that moment, the warrior king eyes wet and white hot cried out with a voice that shook the heavens no longer. Michael threw his arm forward. The hosts of heaven shouted and millions of horses gathered, mounted by warriors of every tribe, nation, and tongue. Eternity's door swung open on its hinges. Out of one realm and into another rode an army like there had never been. The time has come, roared the king. Rescue my people. Destroy my enemies. The morning star who had once come as lamb, now returned as lion with 10,000 galaxies forming the train of his imperial robe. 
one day it will happen. One day. So that is the fifth seal. Let's look now at seal number six. Revelation 6, verses 12 through 17. I looked when he opened the sixth seal, and behold, there was a great earthquake. I think I mentioned last week, be sure and make note on your handout of any earthquakes that happen, because that's going to be important. There was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair. And the moon became like blood and the stars of heaven fell to the earth as a fig tree drops its late figs when it is shaken by a mighty wind. Then the sky receded as a scroll when it is rolled up and every mountain and island was moved out of its place. And the kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave and every free man hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb for the great day of his wrath has come and who is able to stand. All right. So John's gaze after the fifth seal is open. John's gaze is drawn toward the heavens with the opening of this sixth seal. And let's look again at what takes place. A great earthquake. The sun is blackened. We're going to see some of these events in, in the trumpets and also in the bowls. So it doesn't just happen once. There's it, These kind of things happen more than once. The moon turns red. The stars fall to the earth. The sky rolls back like a scroll. And every mountain and island is moved. So the interesting thing about this is that all of these cosmic happenings cause man to hide in caves and rocks and beg for the mountains to fall on them. So you know this is not just a little earthquake. This is all these cosmic happenings are unheard of. They they recognize, the people of that time recognize that what is happening is an act of God and they have absolutely no way to control it or to stop it. Now, notice something very interesting. There is no um, note that any of these cosmic happenings cause anyone to repent of sin. They're just terrified. They just want it to stop. They would rather hide from God in fear than run to him in faith. Does that sound like any other Bible story you've ever heard? Hide from God in fear rather than run to him in faith over your sin. Who does it sound like? Adam and Eve. Our first parents. They wanted to hide from God when they saw that, that, that they had sinned and done something that they shouldn't. 
All right, so there is also a very important phrase in this sixth seal that we're going to come back to, um, and that is wrath of the lamb. We will be returning to the concept of the wrath of the lamb. All right, seal number seven. Now, if you look at your Bibles, you will see that that ended chapter six. Where's the seventh seal? It's not right there in chapter seven. There is an interlude here of, of a couple of things that take place as a result of the sixth seal. But we're going to skip that right now and we're going to come back. It's the, um, the 144,000 Jewish witnesses being sealed and um, a multitude worshiping God from the great tribulation. So we're going to come back and fill that in. Let's move to Revelation chapter eight and look at the seventh seal. So Revelation chapter eight, let's look at verses one through six. When Jesus opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God and to them were given what? Seven trumpets. Then another angel having a golden censer came and stood at the altar. Ah, altar. This is such an important word in the book of Revelation, altar. He was given much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of the saints upon the golden altar, which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints ascended before heaven. Uh, before God from the angel's hand. Then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar and threw it to the earth. And there were noises, thunderings, lightnings, and what? Another earthquake. So the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. So after a half an hour of silence, John sees seven angels standing before God and they're given seven trumpets. Doot, 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 doot. That's not how it's going to sound, I'm pretty sure. Um, but there's also another angel with a golden censer. And this angel goes to the golden altar and offers incense along with the prayers of the saints. So if we're not careful in our reading, we will think that the censer that the angel had in his hand, the golden censer, contained incense. But that's, that probably would not be correct. A censer, and it's C-E-N-S-E-R, was a golden pan that was suspended on a rope or a chain, and its sole purpose was to transport coals from the altar of sacrifice, that altar that you come into the, the temple compound and find first, transport coals from there to the golden altar so incense could be burned. Now, we find, um, we find in scripture, there's one place, um, and, and we won't take time to go there, but if you remember um, Nadab and Abihu, they were priests in the Old Testament. 
God killed them because they offered strange fire. And we don't know exactly what strange fire was, but it could very well be that they brought, they offered strange fire on the golden altar. They very well could have brought in coals that did not come from the altar of sacrifice. And God had ordained that all the coals for the altar of incense come from the altar of sacrifice. And when they disobeyed God, however that looked, they were done. Okay, so we find this angel offering incense and prayers, and then he takes the censer to the altar of sacrifice, fills it with fire, fills the censer with fire, and what does he do with it? Throws it to the earth. And this this is judgment language. There is no doubt in my mind this is judgment language. Um, and this causes noises, thunderings, lightnings, and an earthquake. And out of this seventh seal come the seven trumpet judgments. I'm so thankful that you joined us for this week's episode of the Raising Kids Together podcast. I hope you've been blessed by listening in on our Zoom room. We would love for you to join us. You can come when you can and come as you are. Simply go to RaisingKidsOnYourKnees.org and click the button on the front page to enter the Raising Kids Together Zoom Room. We meet Monday through Friday at 9 o'clock a.m. Eastern Time. Have a great day.